0: glad you could join us for this installment of clone wars an orphan black podcast my name is mike and i'm dave
1: and tonight we're here to talk about season two episode eight of bbc america's orphan black that aired on june 7th 2014 episode is titled variable and full of perturbation and remember you can access this show and all the orphan black shows through both the lost girl podcast fatalist and liberate a continuum podcast
0: so as long as you subscribe to either one of those podcasts, you'll automatically receive our Orphan Black discussions in your feed. But if you prefer, you can always just go to continuumpodcast.com or fatalists.podbean.com to listen straight from the website. And also, you can subscribe through Stitcher.
1: All right, Mike. Um, you know, we've been talking about the numbers each week. 500,000 viewers for episode 7, which was down a little bit, but you know, I guess I'm trying to keep a a focused view and not lose sight of the fact that the show's ratings have been pretty steady. I mean, you know, up 30, down 20, up 40, you know, and and overall they're up 35 to 45% from season one. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, you know, I I think it's really uh, a good sign, even though this time last year we'd already heard about a renewal, but a lot of the shows we're into be slow on the (laughs) renewal trigger.
0: That's for sure.
1: This year, all right. You know what I've said about my feeling on spoilers, on previews, and I, I just, I okay. I, I did watch the preview for episode nine. Did you? I did not. Okay. Well, I am pissed off. Okay. Oh, big spoiler! This BBC time America, you suck. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, the reveals that were in the two oh nine promo. I, I, you know, I, I want to approach tonight's podcast as if I didn't see it. Okay. So I won't even.
0: Well, you'll have me to help there. Okay. <laughs> because I don't see,
1: didn't but see it. I, I just don't get it. In in a serialized show, why you would do that? But unforgivable. Unforgivable. All right. Well, <laughs> tonight we had a, a pretty pretty big change, and we're introduced to another clone. Yeah. You know, I guess we'd fallen into the trap to thinking all the clones were going to be female, and I guess technically they have been.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, I certainly thought that we would get a new clone this season when we first started doing Orphan Black as a podcast, but then I sort of lost sight of it and forgot all about it. And here we are very close to the end, and and so they needed to bring one in, and this is not the form I expected it to take. (laughs) Uh, No. Uh, Now, the other
1: thing, we, we got to see a lot of Ethan Duncan, and it was really interesting and and certainly exciting to me to see that you know as you know we, we, we've seen uh, Jason and Continuum say it's like the fog lifted mm-hmm. and, and for Ethan Duncan it's almost as if the fog has lifted you know that we were talking about whether he was this mad scientist barely able to function and now he's fine. Yeah, maybe he just needed a purpose. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. So so you know, he's certainly going to play a major role in the discussion tonight. Cosima, obviously. Uh, Rachel. Man, you know, it's funny because uh, a lot of this centers around Leaky's death. Mm-hmm. And there're really only two people that know the truth. Who is the who are the two? Uh Allison and Donnie. Mm-hmm. And yeah. everybody else is operating as if well, for instance, Rachel's operating as if he's alive. She's just saying he's dead, right? She just told him
0: to disappear. Well, but she was talking about some kind of fatal heart attack. Well, right, and but so, right, but she doesn't know he's dead. You don't think so? Well, how would she know? Well, I, I just got the impression, this is just my impression, but I thought she was using the heart attack story as a cover-up for a true discovered body, and she just wasn't coming up with the real thing. But I guess yours, yours is just as possible, which is... She's using that story to cover up his disappearance. I mean, but, Allison's got the body, right? Oh, yeah. The body's well, yeah. in their car. That's true. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, so, I'm assuming Donnie drove straight home. So, you know, it's just really interesting the way this is all transpiring. I mean, she's putting out that death story knowing, or at least she thinks, he's not dead. He's just gone. So anyway, we'll, we'll get to that in, in a little bit.
0: Uh-huh. Um, well, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious because of the fact that, of course, Rachel got the command from I can't remember the new character's name, the new boss yeah. that's in town. She she sort of ordered the hit, so maybe she thinks uh, the wheels she put in motion to get him assassinated happened despite her, despite Rachel.
1: Yeah, because even Rachel kind of implied at last episode that she
0: was letting
1: him live. Exactly,
0: yeah. so... Oh boy, it could go either way. I never thought of it your way, but either one of those has equal possibility. Yep. All right. Well, certainly
1: one of the stories focuses on Sarah. And, and now, you know, I was calling it the dyad mess last week, but it, but it's sort of coming more and more into focus. And you know, we see Mrs. S, Sarah, uh, Ethan, and Kira, and, and they're hold up at Mrs. S's house. And, you know, we see Sarah and Kira making that little mobile out of angels. And and it was interesting. I mean, we just saw Helena, just a blip, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, she hasn't been on the last couple episodes. Yeah,
1: and and Kira makes that reference to one of the angels reminding her of Auntie Helena.
0: I just thought it was interesting, the interaction there, because I think Sarah kind of was letting her feel that way about Helena.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing about Karen, we've talked about her maturity beyond her years you know, many times. And tonight's episode really even drove that home further, like in in that the doorbell rings and she immediately says, should we hide? Yeah. <laughs> just a matter of factly. And then, uh, uh, you know, later on the episode and I forget exactly what happened, but somebody knocked on the door. And she just made this little this little reaction like, You gotta be kidding me, not again. <laughs> I mean she didn't say it, but that was her reaction. And and I, I thought that was pretty cool that that for her, this has been her life, and now it's almost as if she's getting older, and you know what? This is this isn't good. I don't like this. <laughs> yeah. Enough of this. Yep. All right. So we've got Ethan in the picture and tells Sarah that finding a cure is going to give Dyad the keys to the kingdom. So how do you read that statement? The keys to the kingdom.
0: The keys to the kingdom uh the secrets to all of the the clonings that's been going on so they could maybe do it some more. Yeah. He, it doesn't seem to it doesn't sound like he relishes the idea.
1: Yeah, see that's what I can't I, I can't get a handle on whether or not this is something that he wants to continue or whether he just simply wants to clean up his mess as uh Sarah was it Sarah that said that or was that Mrs. S. I can't remember now.
0: I, but I almost feel like I think he's ready to just deal with that. Even though he might not be happy about it, he does have to clean up the mess. Mm-hmm. So I think he's maybe not happy about it, but willing to to move ahead from here. Yeah. Um now Rachel, you
1: know, is is kind of in an interesting position that he well, number one, she's upset that Paul has disappeared and Uh, she's an English teacher's
0: dream with her statement, right? Your absence is inconvenient and your silence is irksome. And that's this when She's talking on his answering machine. (laughs) Yeah, that was, uh, (laughs) but
1: you know what, what happened to Paul and, and and we get a little bit of a kind of a reference to Paul later on when, when Tony comes into the picture, but yeah, the uh, the
0: cryptic message from Sammy. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But you figure with all her resources, if she can't find him, uh, that's pretty surprising. Yeah, that's pretty surprising now back you know, back to Duncan, and he's reading several times the Island of Dr. Moreau, and i I'm sure you've read it right? the h. G.
0: Well's novel. I have read m- many H. G. Wells novels, but not that one. Oh really okay <laughs> yeah. well well,
1: I mean it's it's about this guy. he's a vivisectionist who is somebody that tries to combine human elements with animal elements to create new species, if you will. And, you know, uh, of course, things go horribly wrong. He goes to an island to, you know, continue his experiments. But, but I mean, certainly, you know, it, it's a lot about being responsible for your actions and dealing with the consequences of your actions. So, you know, it's certainly interesting to see that. Although, when Kira wakes up in bed uh, one morning, Sarah's still asleep.
0: She goes down, she picks up the book. That was pretty interesting when she starts paging through. Well, especially since I thought she, it was interesting from the standpoint of, wow, she actually is into this story. But no, I guess there's more to it. There's all those formulas and notes that Duncan has left there for her, perhaps for her benefit. Maybe I don't because it seems like he has a special eye for Kira himself.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about that. Um, is it just a book that's had such meaning for him? Because obviously he's in the same boat. His his experiment. Well, also
0: he read it to Rachel when she was young. He
1: read it to Rachel when she was young. Uh, And is it just something that, I mean, it's almost as if while reading it, he had a, he had a brainstorm and made the notes in the, you know, with the most available paper he had, which was the book, because it was all sorts of scientific notations. And now the other interesting thing is after last week's meeting between Rachel and Ethan Duncan, where he's really coming across as a fatherly type figure, albeit one that's been out of her life for, for quite some time. And, you know, she shed a little bit of a tear. Were you surprised the way she reacted in this episode?
0: Well, not really. I, I feel like she's been bottled up so much for a lot of different interactions she's had, uh, including the sexual interaction she had with Paul. I mean, she just keeps it bottled up. And so she saves those reactions for after they left, because di- didn't it seem like when she was trashing the lab that it was all in her head while she was talking with uh, Duncan? Yeah, and that's what I was
1: trying to—I uh, was wondering about. I mean, she's referring to him now as Professor Duncan,
0: right? Very uh, cold, very yeah, I mean, distant. Yeah, you
1: know, I mean, I get not calling him daddy or something <laughs> like that, uh, but but maybe even Ethan or or whatever. You know, he clearly doesn't see it this way. You know, obviously he loves her. Uh, You know, like you mentioned, he reminds her that he read that story to him and and she mentions about he mentions that he understands that you can be forgiven for hate, but not for irresponsibility. And, And and obviously that's what we're talking about here is that he feels like he was irresponsible. And I guess the question really is, you know,
0: was he I mean
1: you could argue that the experiment from the start was irresponsible
0: but yeah and he doesn't think she needs to forgive him for what he's done but he does want her to forgive him for hating which is how he feels about Leaky being dead so he he kind of is happy about that right because the reason he left was because he was afraid for his life right and so now he can start working with them but what i think is very interesting is that the reaction that Rachel has is less about the fate of Leaky than it does about her telling him telling her that the clones are barren by design, that Sarah was the failure, not the success. And that's when she just starts losing it and throwing things all over the lab, either in her mind or after he left, depending on how you look at how that was filmed. Yeah. And, you know, one of the questions it revolves around moral responsibility,
1: and it almost came across that she felt that it would have been his moral responsibility to
0: allow us to be fertile yeah and when she says it's time we begin fixing your mistakes, I wonder if that's what she's referring to.
1: yeah I mean not to now, now did you see her? did she almost look like she was gonna cough there towards the end of the era <laughs> It was almost
0: it's the bottled up thing that's what I think
1: you know, obviously speaking of coughing we're we're seeing uh Cosima get progressively worse, but this episode gives her something to really. Get excited about and, and and to be honest, I think the the scenes with Kasima in the lab were some of the best
0: in tonight's episode. And she deserved a little bit of comic relief. She hasn't had some any in a, in a very long time, right? I mean, she locks Delphine out of the lab. Yep.
1: Even though Delphine says, "You know, I can override your lock at any point," <laughs> and
0: Scott's like, "I don't." Wow, girl, frights are mean.
1: Has he ever been on a date? I mean, has he ever <laughs> been around girls? I mean, it's (laughs) it's almost, it's almost like he has no clue. I mean, really, literally no clue.
0: (laughs) That's, that's probably true. Yeah. But,
1: uh, we talked last week about, well, who's going to take over for Leaky, and we kind of get our answer, right? I mean, Rachel calls Delphine into the office, uh, and and like you mentioned, gives the heart attack story. Delphine's now going to report to Rachel, but Rachel kind of, you know, brings out what we've learned, which is that Leaky has hidden, you know, a lot of the information that would
0: be pertinent to helping the clones for some reason. And that's not taking into account anything that Dr. Marion Bowles was dealing with last week. So is Rachel telling the truth about her being in charge now? Or is she just acting the, the, the role? Yeah, I mean, somebody's got to be in charge, at least, you know, in, mm-hmm. in, in the lab. So
1: might as well be heard. But the other interesting thing that Rachel mentions is that a line of communication has been opened with Sarah. And, and obviously that's kind of a, a sticking point for Sarah because she's slow to trust. And, and you certainly can understand that, especially with Kira involved. But that's the whole difference now. They don't need Kira.
0: Yeah, if they have uh, Duncan, then they don't need Kira. Although, obviously, this this episode starts off with the tooth that Kira donated uh, mm-hmm. being used for some more stem cells. But, yeah, moving forward, we'll see if this line of communication stays open. Yeah, now,
1: did you uh, notice the first thing that Leaky? Uh, – I'm sorry, the first thing that Ethan told Rachel he needed, thinking back to what I mentioned last week? <laughs> a floppy drive. I need a floppy drive. Okay.
0: <laughs> because i can't read these without it (laughs) she's almost like
1: i'll be driving so anyway cosima comes to ask is proposes the deal she says leaky was the lesser of two evils and and uh and basically duncan is asked can you find a cure and he says yes and and then he does make a comment about the he doesn't use the word hubis, uh, hubris uh boastful
0: boastful Yeah
1: boastful but uh But he
0: seems very confident even though he doesn't want to boast Yeah
1: so uh, y- y- you'd certainly like to think that that he is you know he knows what he's talking about
0: I th- I just thought it was surprising that Delphine actually said that Leaky was the lesser of two evils because I didn't think Delphine felt that way but uh we'll see we'll see yeah. if she's being honest now
1: I think arguably the funniest scene in the show, and in many ways, one of the most telling is when Kasima returns to the lab and finds Scott and his friends. Uh, now, you said it
0: was just kind of a made-up game. more I of. thought it was. I ended up doing some research on that. They actually picked a specific game uh, that John Fawcett had it was it was his uh, rune wars game they wanted a specific version of the game that had mountains it was supposed to be basically visually interesting okay so yeah that was rune Wars okay so uh you know <laughs> of
1: course he's freaked out I, I didn't think you were gonna come back uh, she's like you know did you know are you running the, I don't know whatever the test on on Kira's tooth he's like yeah I am <laughs> so, play on then and, and, and they're playing and she I guess can't help but listen in and all of a sudden they're misapplying the rules and she jumps in. No, nah, no, nah, this is what you're good. Next thing you know, she's playing and kicking their asses. It was awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, we needed a little bit of a Cosima being a nerd and we haven't had that, I don't think, since season one. So, Right. Now, Delphine
1: comes back and uh, I was a little surprised <laughs> at the way things transpired. Not so much that she kicked the boys out so she could be alone with
0: <laughs> Delphine, but you know what her plan was. Yeah. Well, oh, you mean to get her high? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it was kind of strange. I think it was mostly because Cosima needed to have Delphine on her level. Because that conversation that they had while they are, you know, smoking weed, uh, playing around with helium, talking about helium is more fun than polonium, uh, is the conversation where she says, you know, I understand that you went behind my back because you love me. I get that. And Delphine, is, you know, says the three words, although in French, je t'aime. But I like how Cosima says, you can't just love me. You have to love all of us. Because if Delphine just loves Cosima, she's going to do things that aren't necessarily in the best interests of the whole clone club. Right. 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 So I thought that was a really great conversation.
1: Yeah. And then then she threatens her that I can ruin your career. (laughs) And then Delphine starts laughing, which I thought was classic. (laughs) She got the giggles. Yes. So uh, one of the most moving scenes Certainly in this episode, maybe even any episode this year, Cosima tells Scott that she's 324B21. And he comes back, and you're not even sure what he's going to say. And then just that, you know, he's honored to work with her. And, and that just really struck a note with me.
0: Yeah, because I was very happy to have Scott on board with uh, the team clones because uh, it really is something that I feel like he could really help them out
1: yeah because you know it's it's almost I was afraid he was gonna do what Cosima did to Ethan Duncan when she referred to him oh it's great to meet my maker
0: (laughs) yeah exactly and and
1: I was afraid he was gonna kind of like geek out or something and uh be overly irreverent yeah Yeah. or or oh that's really good but no it was just perfect what he did so that that was good to see and it was also really good to see, you know, the moments before Ethan Duncan and Rachel showed up in the lab when, uh, I'm sorry, Ethan Duncan and uh, uh, Delphine brought him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, she's worried about which lab, you know, his lab coat, I guess, had stains on it or something. No, no, no. Get this, you know, put this one on. and
0: <laughs> Make a good impression on the maker. Right.
1: <laughs> All that optimism and excitement turned dark in a hurry. She starts coughing just I mean, she spit up that much blood before, but then crashes face first and starts seizing.
0: Yeah, so I feel like Ethan Duncan could not have arrived any sooner or any later without dire consequences, because I'm not too worried about Kazima. I know some people were thinking oh no please don't do what you what we think you might do creators of orphan black but i think kasim is going to be fine because ethan duncan is there but they needed her to have a crisis moment
1: yeah you know i'm really torn on this scene because like you just mentioned on the one hand you know in terms of the larger story arc i think to kill a character like that who is so likable who is probably the most brilliant of all of them Uh, also the most fragile in many ways of all of them Mm -hmm. and to have her die uh, that's a pretty brave thing to do on the on the parts of the writers I don't know that they're going to do that but uh, I wouldn't be disappointed in them if they did I'd
0: certainly be sorry to not have Kasima anymore but I, I think that might be part of the show at some point I just don't think it's at this particular moment. Speaking of
1: dying, um, you know, the two characters who uh, are, are, have admitted to murder at this yep. point, uh, Donnie and Allison. Uh, <laughs> so she comes in. Uh, Donnie's still in bed. Uh, you know, we don't know exactly what time it is, but clearly he should have already had the kids off to school. Uh-huh. And he won't get out of bed. And, you know, all kinds of things are running through my mind as she's standing there trying to get him out. of. It's like, does he have another woman in there? <laughs> <laughs> um, is he doing something under there that he shouldn't be doing? Is, you know, I, I didn't know
0: what, when she smelled something, I actually thought it was going to be blood or something like that.
1: Right. Or, or some kind of cleaning fluid or something that, you know, to, that he attempted to clean the call you know what, although the car, I think if it was me, you almost look at the car, I don't even know where to start. I give up. I quit. I'm going to get in the bed and pull the covers. Over my head. <laughs> That's obviously what he did. Yeah. So, um, now, you you mentioned, yes, it does seem like we see Donnie in his underwear. Yeah,
0: it's like, I think they're doing it on purpose now. Yeah. How many times do we have to see Donnie in his underwear? She goes down the basement, I guess the next
1: day, or maybe it was that evening, and he's packing his bags. And, and that exchange between the two, really, it, it finally addressed what we've been asking the last couple of weeks is, did he ever really love her or was it just part of an
0: experiment? And I think we got our answer. Oh, yeah. He he thinks she doesn't deserve someone like him, a murderer. But as soon as she starts laying it out about, don't you love me? You're going to leave your kids. He just breaks down. He clearly, clearly has feelings.
1: Yeah. He puts his head in in her lap. And, you know, you've mentioned before that they have known each other since Since high school. Since high school. But, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that they had any kind of relation. I mean, we don't know that. We just know that they knew each other.
0: That's true. But uh, But I think this puts it all in perspective. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So they start doing the little confessional thing and she confesses to, uh, you know, killing Ashley and then Ainsley, Ainsley. Ainsley, I'm sorry. uh, Killing Ainsley. And then
0: he just blurts out, I killed Dr. Leakey. (laughs) It's almost like he wanted to one (laughs) upper. Right.
1: But it didn't go smoothly. And and, uh, as uh, when they were making the mobile and Sarah says, you know, we need Auntie Allison for this one. And, when she saw what he had done, or rather not done, with the car, she was horrified for many but not reasons.
0: For the, <laughs> not for the reason you would hope. I loved this scene, because she approaches murder the way she approaches scrapbooking. Everything is in its place, and you gotta, you got to do it right. The body wasn't wrapped correctly in the trunk, it wasn't lined. Oh, goodness, Donnie. What have you done?
1: (laughs) Yeah, now, I'd asked last week where he got the gun, and we get the answer to that, so that he certainly has known that she's had
0: guns. And he put it back in the locker instead of dumping it in the lake. Allison knows how to cover up a murder, big time. (laughs)
1: Probably the biggest change in this episode was the introduction of the new clone, uh, Tony, and and in the opening scene, got some sort of a chase, you know, the the white van uh, speeding through the streets, goes into the garage. And one of the guys comes out and he's been shot clearly. But right away, we can tell, whoa, what's going on here? This is Tatiana Maslany, but who's she playing?
0: And is that a girl with facial hair? You, you know, it's. <laughs> I wasn't sure what to think of that. But I certainly thought, wait a minute. If they're trying to say that there's a male clone, I wasn't buying it. I loved the voice. She's got the voice down. She's got the mannerisms down, but it just wasn't believable. So I was glad they took it in the in the transgender direction because otherwise, I just could not have bought Tatiana Maslany as a boy. Right, and
1: and Tony did have a lot of the same mannerisms and expressions that Sarah, Sarah has. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're both criminals. <laughs> right. Well, right, uh, and even that. If you think back to the first episode of season one when she's in Beth's apartment and she's watching the videotape and that one line she keeps repeating,
0: damn right. (laughs) Yeah, damn right. And and, and Tony said it the same, kind of the same way. Well, it sounds like he's got kind of a Minnesota accent, I want to say, because they are up, you know, Toronto way. So I feel like he did have a bit of a, I want to say Scandinavian accent of some kind. Right. But he
1: clearly knows something's up, that, that he knows it wasn't the cops that were after him. He mentions the $400 shoes. Uh, what I I did get to watch the episode a second time, and, and you notice that there were three bullet holes in the windshield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, as if somebody was just lying in wait, probably like rifle shots, uh, I would certainly think. Now, like you mentioned, apparently born as Antoinette Sawicki and is now taking testosterone shots. And- you know, what was the idea that when he started disrobing for at Felix's place prior to taking a bath that he was trying to uh, let us know that he's perhaps had, had some surgery? Is that uh, what we're supposed to believe?
0: Yeah, I think he's definitely in the process of getting sex change, if not completely uh, finished with the process, but the testosterone shots are part of it. So I feel like he's in transition. Okay.
1: And, and that was a pretty interesting exchanges between he and felix and and again it it's I thought it was interesting the way the two of them had made a connection by the end of the episode
0: well, yeah, because of course it's a little bit different situation with with a transgender person, but the Felix being gay and, and Tony having the the process that he's going through obviously creates a bit of a bond between the two of them on a level that they That others couldn't have, but I feel like Tony's almost teasing Felix, you know, the whole thing about him saying, sister, you're a sister kisser.
1: Well, right. And, and, but, but even, and and I agree with everything you just said, but then you throw in the mix that this is another sister because I mean, he sees them all as sisters uh, because they are.
0: So yeah, he does still feel protective of Tony, just like he does of Allison and everyone else. Right. And, and it's just, uh, you know, he's had all of this thrown at him relatively quickly and you got to give him credit because I mean, someone looking just like your sister kissing you, it can't be the easiest thing Uh, to deal with. (laughs) uh,
1: No. Um, so we, we do find out the guy that was with him name is Sammy. and, And I guess we're led to believe that, that Sammy was more than likely his monitor.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Ex-military, uh, just like Paul. So I think they probably were recruited from the same type of thing—something that they did wrong in Afghanistan, that sort of thing. So then we finally get the message:
1: tell Beth to keep the faith. Paul's like me; he's on it.
0: He's a ghost, which is weird. Yeah, because on a on a couple of levels. Number one, who was after Sammy and and Tony to begin with? Was it the Prolethians? Yeah and I mean, why why would they be yeah and and that doesn't seem their approach gunshots and stuff like that so and how does he know what paul is up to cuz we don't even know what paul's up to we've been watching him the whole time right
1: i mean the prolethians <laughs> are after helena yeah thinking that they
0: can somehow you know impregnate her or, or or whatever well i'm thinking of like prolethians the same way that um Helena was raised, you know, get rid of all the other clones, the imposters, that sort of thing. But yeah, because the, the farmhouse Proletheans are a little bit different. But yeah, who's after them? That's the question.
1: Art gets them on a bus, and I'm not sure where they're going to send them. <laughs> and Tony doesn't seem the kind that would actually stay wherever they tell him to go. You know, I mean, he, I, look, he understands there's danger. Uh-huh. But it's not as if he doesn't face danger... Probably every day in his line of work, which, whatever it is,
0: which it's, not, that, it's not legal. That kind of helped with his reaction to everything, too. When he was brought into the fold, saw, seeing all the paintings of his sisters, he didn't seem too phased by it. So that, it makes me wonder, is that the last we're going to see of Tony? Maybe not uh, until next season at the earliest. I don't know. It's, it almost seemed like a one-off just to get that information about Paul and Sammy and the tie-in between the two of them delivered. Yep.
1: Yeah, now, uh, we don't know if he actually ever met Beth, do we? I don't think so. They just talked on the phone, right? Okay, that's what I thought. You know, So we, so we don't know that. And, and like you just alluded, will we see Tony again? I'm guessing no.
0: I think but, if we see him at all, it won't be this season. Yeah. Um,
1: what's happening with Helena? Uh, obviously, that's something that's still in play. And yeah,
0: surprising that we haven't seen her. Yeah.
1: But, you know, you, you get this many characters, you can't deal with everybody on a week-to-week basis. So I, I think we both know we'll see something in, in the next yeah. two weeks because uh, it'll be a long time to wait for some resolution with her. But only two more episodes. Two more episodes. So uh, this was pretty awesome. I mean, they've they've all been awesome. So, uh, you know, why don't we just leave it there? And we want to thank you guys for joining us. Mike and I will be back next week to discuss Episode 9 titled Things Which Have Never Yet Been Done.
0: Ooh, cool. (laughs) And if you'd like to send us feedback, feel free to use the speak pipe on either the Fatalists or the Liberate websites. It's that tab on the right-hand side of this page. Or you can send an email to feedback at continuumpodcast.com or fatalistspodcast at gmail.com. And you can always feel free to leave a voicemail at 773-LIBERATE-8. See you next week.